Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their worlds. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Aspirational versus desperational leadership. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. This podcast is complimentary to the book, The Complete Leader by Ron Price and Randy Lisk. And we encourage you to definitely pick that book up. However, the podcast stands alone. So in the book, there are 25 leadership principles and the book takes us step by step through improving in each of those areas. The podcast is doing the same thing. Each and every podcast, we dive into one of those principles. We take a look at it, what it means and how we can improve as aspiring leaders. And definitely leadership is a journey. In the studio today with Ron Price. Ron, always great to be with you. Dale, great to be with you also. And uh, I have to tell listeners just a little behind the scenes. Usually we do these via Skype. And today I am actually sitting in Ron's office with microphones. I can see him smiling right now, which is really nice. Yeah, this is our studio today. It's kind of it fun. I'm, I'm enjoying it. It is. So uh, we're, we're diving into this idea of aspirational versus desperational leadership. I was listening to you present to a group recently, and you made this statement. And I, I wrote it down, and I put an, a star by it, and I said, we have got to do a podcast on this topic. And so that's why we're here, aspirational versus desperational leadership. What does that mean? Well, Dale, I guess, I, I, as you know, I've been involved in leadership for decades now. And the things that probably you become most passionate about are the things that you realize you didn't do right yourself. And so I had been thinking for some time about how the first couple decades of my leadership opportunities, I was always trying to fix myself. I had trouble with time management, so I'd take all the time management courses, I'd read all the books I could, and I was always focused on that thing that I thought that was keeping me from being the complete leader. And somewhere 20, 25 years into my career, I began to recognize I was doing the wrong thing. It's not that you don't think about your weaknesses because we all have to be aware of them. They can become fatal flaws if we're not careful. But I was spending so much time trying to fix what I was weak at that I wasn't really developing my strengths. And so I began to recognize that desperational leadership is when you're always trying to fix yourself. Aspirational leadership is when you ask the question, what am I capable of? What could I become if I focused on developing my strengths to their highest level? And most of us don't do that because most of us just take our strengths for granted. Oh, I'm good enough there. I don't have to work on that. I need to work on this thing over here where I'm not so strong. And it had a huge impact on the rest of my career when I shifted from focusing on fixing to focusing on becoming. How? Tell, me, tell, tell us a story. Well, for me, it was, um, I, I now look back on it and I, the things that came natural for me were I, I was a communicator and I love encouraging other people. I love promoting other people. I love talking about the things that I really believe in. And these were things that came naturally. So I never even thought about getting a class or getting coaching or mentoring around these things because it seemed like, well, I don't have to worry about this. In contrast, my big problem was planning and organizing and time management. I look back now after 45 years of being involved in leadership and Dale, I recognize I love people. I love everything that has to do with people. I do tasks because I have to, not because I love them. 
Now, not everybody's that way. Some people are just the opposite as me. But I was spending all my time trying to figure out how to do a better job with tasks. And I wasn't going deeper and higher and wider in how I understood how to interact with and work with people. And it's a matter of emphasis. It's not that I can ignore tasks. It's I still have to fight. I've taken all the time management courses and I use goals and I use a task list and I, I use project management tool. I do I use all those things because otherwise I'd be a real mess. But it's a question of emphasis. I was spending too much time on those things, not enough time developing strengths. What are some of the things that uh, you did to develop the strengths when, at that pivotal moment when you first figured this out? Well, the first thing was to admit that they were strengths. And some of that is you have to be willing to take an honest look at yourself. Some of us are afraid of thinking about what we could be really good at. We're afraid that maybe the, our ego is going to get in the way or that we'll become self-centered. So first it was that ability to embrace the way I was made and just accept it and say, okay, how can I use this to create value for others? How can I use this to serve others? And then secondly, it's listening to other people. And what are other people telling you that comes naturally to you? What, what do other people tell you that you do well as a leader, that, but it doesn't seem like you have to put that much effort into it? That's a great clue to something that's a natural strength. And then embracing that, it's how do I create more of it? So I began to read more about the things that were I was naturally good at already. I, be, I began to read a lot more about helping to encourage other people and develop other people, coach other people. I really began to invest myself in the people who were the thought leaders around the things that I had natural talent for so that my talent could be converted into a greater and greater skill. So we started off talking about desperation. You gave us the definition of desperational leadership. Let's let's follow the theme of this and focus on what we're good at and what we want. And so in this case, it's aspirational leadership. It's what we aspire to. Uh, clearly define that for us and what that looks like now in your life after you've made this this transition in your years of leadership? Well, I think it's about discovering your unique potential and then making a commitment that you're going to see how far you can push the borders on that. I could talk about me, but I'd rather talk about a friend of mine. His name's Glenn Basham. And Glenn started playing the violin uh, as a hobby just for fun when he was 12 years old. Usually, if you start that late, you can never be a professional because you've started way too late. But Glenn fell in love with the violin. And as a teenager, as a teenager, he would practice four or five, six hours a day. His parents would have to tell him that he had to quit practicing. So he would play and play and play. And he had this combination of recognizing that he had a natural affinity for it and having a great passion to be as good at it as he could possibly be. You know, Glenn's turning 59 years old this year. He's the concertmaster of the Naples Philharmonic, and he's a professor of violin at the University of Miami. And he's such a great example to me of what it means to organize around your strengths, to develop around your... He saw that he loved it. He saw that he had a natural talent for it. And then he invested those 10,000 or 20,000 or however many hours it was. And he's a role model to me. And that way, he's a leader to me because he inspires me to figure out what you're good at, really, really focus on that with all your worth. And, and I still struggle today because I have a lot of obligations that can take me away from that, but it keeps, that focus keeps bringing me back over and over and over again to what matters most is understanding what your unique potential is and then seeing how far you can go 
in realizing that potential or converting that potential into performance. So you said Glenn was 12 when he discovered the violin, and that's late for the, anyone who aspires to, uh, to play the violin. Is it ever too late? Well, it's never too late to get better. Uh, and oftentimes when I'm working with leaders, they're frustrated that they're not where they think they should be. And I tell them all that matters is are you further than you were yesterday? or last week, or last month, because we really can't change the past, and spending too much time, what do they call it, crying over spilt milk? Mm -hmm. Spending too much time regretting what you didn't do in the past doesn't really change your future. It could hinder your future. So wherever you're at today, you can get better, and even, obviously, if I've been involved in leadership roles for 45 years, I don't have a lot of runway left, (laughs) but I still know I have a lot of potential to chase. I still know that I haven't reached anywhere near the apex of what I could become. So that's going to be my focus with the energy and the time that I have left. What are some things that we can do to create that switch in our brains to start pursuing the aspirational leadership model? Well, I think first you you make a commitment and you go about this journey of getting to know yourself better. And of course, the philosophers said, know yourself. Socrates said that. And so we know that when a philosopher says it, it's pretty complex, <laughs> that it's, it's, not, it's an open-ended question. It's not a multiple choice. So the first thing is that we look at ways that we can learn more about ourselves. And so you can read books that have to do with developing yourself. You can take online assessments. We have a whole battery of assessments that we use to help people develop themselves. That first is that you make a commitment that you're gonna go deeper in your self-reflection, your self-evaluation. Secondly, you need to let others help you. Ask some other people what it is that comes next. Instead of always asking them, what can I get better at? Ask them, what, what, what do they think your strengths are? And what does it look like you can do without having to work that hard? And that's a great clue for you. And then the third thing is you've really gotta stick your neck out. You've gotta have the courage Because when you are really the best version of yourself, there's nobody else like you, and therefore you're going to stick out. And some people are going to like that. Not everybody's going to like it. And so you've got to have the courage and even to be willing to go after your potential and fail and go after it and fail. And one of my favorite quotes from American presidents is Teddy Roosevelt, and it's a long quote, but I'd like to read it to you. He said, you know, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and who comes short again and again, but because there's no effort without error and shortcoming but who actually strives to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms or passions, we might say, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, and who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. That is awesome. So epiphanal in the conversation, the idea that I knew what I was good at. You said you strong communicator. You really liked people. And most of us, when we know what we're good at, we say, well, I don't need to spend a lot of time improving in that area. I got to keep working on 
where I, I'm deficient, the desperational leader. That's the one thing I'm really walking away with is where do I, you know, where, what do I love that I can grow and improve even more? Yeah, exactly violin. right. And it's a wonderful journey and it's a journey that you take yourself. And it has to be intentional. It does have to be intentional. I think this is part of becoming a full adult is knowing yourself and making choices to be the best version of yourself. So as you work with leaders through this process and you help them become aspirational leaders, do you, is it is it across the board where they have ignored the, the strength, so to speak? Is this, is this a cultural issue? And I know we have listeners around the globe, so, and, and you've done a lot of work as well. Is this something we see specific to a, a geographic region, or, or is, it, is it something you see at all? I have my theories, psychologically, that we spend the first 16 to 20 years of our life being told what not to do. So as a toddler, and rightfully so, when we're going to do something that might harm us or that might damage one of our parents is one of, you know, one of their memorabilia or something, they say, no, no, no. And if we were to count up, they probably say no three or four or five or six times for every yes. Now we get a big smile and a yes when we take our first steps or when we say our first words. But the ratio between no's to yeses is really high. And then we go to school and in school, we get papers back that have everything that we did right in red. No, everything that we did wrong is marked in red. So we're, I think that we're actually trained to focus on weakness. And we get out of school and we get our first job and we get to what's called the annual performance review. And oftentimes our supervisor has told us nine things that we're doing well and one thing that they want us to improve on. They're obligated by the system to tell us something that is a weakness for us. And what do we do? We go home and we tell our spouse about that one thing that we're not doing perfectly. So I think we're each more or less sensitive to that depending on our unique behavioral style. But I think the programming is put into all of us and I think that we have to learn how to undo that programming and have a different focus where we're aspiring instead of fixing. Fantastic words of advice. Ron Price, co-author of The Complete Leader, along with Randy Lisk. Any final words for us? Boy, I'd say be the best you can be and then go change the world. Hey, if, we, if you would do us a favor as a listener, if you would pass this episode on to someone that you know you care about and you think it could be of help and that person just needs to hear it, and then encourage that person to subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, that would be fantastic. We'd appreciate that. While you're there, if you would write a review and give the podcast a rating. We really hope we're earning a five-star rating from you today. This is the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to be a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.